As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to The View from the Lane, a the Tottenham Hotspur podcast from The Athletic. I'm Danny Kelly, and I'm joined once again by The Athletic's James Moore and Tim Spears. Now, on this episode, we'll be looking ahead uh, to the most unenjoyable match of the footballing calendar for Spurs fans, the North London derby. Deep, deep one. Quinn hoping to get on the end of it. It comes to Allenson. Driven first time. It might go anywhere. Rook Hustle. Arsenal. Off through the going to have a crack. He is, you know. Oh, I say. Brilliant. Who looks at the end. Ginnis is in the box, chance for a fifth, it's Melbourne, it's 5-1, the scoreline has been repeated, on 93 minutes, Steve Malfront makes sure. Oh, he's got a shot, oh, oh no, it's Bentley as well, no, yes! no. oh my word, he's done healthy mood, he's done it for 50 yards, on your bowling yards, oh don't care. Son scores! The place has exploded! It's 3 0! Leaned on by Romero, chance for Shaka! The Emirates explodes and Kelly Shaka makes it 3 1 to Arsenal! The Tottenham players hang their heads! Yeah, the North London derby. As you know, it, uh, it commands emotional. Um, involvement um, a few years ago, that famous four-four draw at uh, the uh, at the Emirates. Um, I was on air for Talk Sport, very miserable because Spurs had got three goals away from home against Arsenal. Were still going to get nothing out of the game, um, so I was kind of miserably counting down the last five seconds of the match, um, talking to Stan Collymore. Then this happened. Nervously over their shoulder, but oh, goal, goal, Stan, goal at the Emirates. Oh my God, Danny! Unbelievably, Spurs have got a point. Arsenal four, Tottenham four. Believable football at the Emirates. I love football, Stan. I love it. It's incredible. Well, well, well. Arsenal should have been 
out of sight at the Emirates, but Harry Redknapp is all I'm over so the unprofessional. place. He's quite incredible on the side. He's doing a David Pleat. Right, well, many of you have heard that many, many times, but I think, uh, Tim Spears, that's your first time of hearing my highly professional reaction to Spurs getting an important goal. I've never I've never heard you like that, safe to say. Has, has anyone ever heard you like that before, Danny? That was... <laughs> I'd love to see. I'd love to see what you what you look, look like. You, well, what, 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 what happened? I mean, I was wearing a pair of Sennheiser 100 headphones, just like the ones you can see on the screen in front of you. I jumped so high, even allowing for my superbly upholstered condition, I jumped so high that it broke the connection with the headphones. So I'm now screaming into the microphone and I can hardly hear myself. I broke the jack at the point where it enters the desk. And so as well as shouting and roaring with Stan and the moose, I'm also grabbing for a spare pair of headphones to try and get them into another jack next to me. So at one stage, because the, the, the leads were quite short, I'm also leaning over later on in the show because my headphones are not long enough to get to the microphone. Well, you, know, you, you, you were trying to stay professional, clearly. That's, that's evident from that clip. I mean, you know, the, the, Modric hits that shot, hits the post, Aaron Lennon taps it in. Um, what is it Andy Gray says? Aware, aware and awake and all the rest of it. And and the rest is is history. And, you know, these four a 4-4 four, four draw against Arsenal, A, it's very Spursy, um, and B... You know, in those days, they were also, Tim, this is the noise um, coming out of every every game in the North London derby for about 15 years. That's the noise of Spurs getting their bottoms spanked by Arsenal. Um, so it, it was one of the things that broke that chain of events, um, as well as the North London derby. We'll also be chatting about uh, a little bit about Kane breaking that record again because it's a recurring theme. Gareth Bale's retirement and the World Cup winner Hugo Lloris bowing out of international football. Let's talk then about this North London derby. Hopefully I'll be as excited as I was then. Let's remind ourselves that uh, last time we played at home was that critical game in the run of the Champions League, which Spurs won and Arsenal, I think, played very poorly. Then we've had the game um, at the Emirates since then when Spurs were equally bad and were beaten 3-1. Arsenal are still bang in form, occupying top spot on the table. Um, they're a significant number of points ahead of Spurs. Um, you could say double figures if you're being uh, cruel. How much are you looking forward to this? I'll ask you, Tim. Because I, uh, I'll ask you, Tim, because you're the, you're the semi-neutral here. How much are you looking forward to the game? I can't wait, to be honest. I've not really had, I don't think, a really big game atmosphere at Spurs yet, certainly you know th- this season. Um, and if it's anything like the noise for the first game at the Emirates, then it'll be, it'll be something incredible. That that was yeah r- ridiculous noise for that for that first match, and I'm expecting something similar on Sunday. Um, it, it, it feels like it's one of those where form will go out the window. I know it's a cliche, but you know there are a lot of reasons why you'd suggest Spurs can't win this game. But equally on the day, um, I think they definitely can, and I think the crowd are going to have a massive part to play in it. And I'm yeah really really looking forward to it. James, I guess quite, probably not quite so enthusiastic. Yeah, I have to say I feel less anxious about the home game generally than the away game. Like the like the away game is always just a horrible you have that sense of dread. And although like the possible downswing, if you like, on this game is obviously far worse. Like losing at home to Arsenal on a weekend when they could take a really, really big step towards the title. I like like the idea of being there and feeling like you can impact on the game, which is obviously nonsense. Uh does kind of get it's you not, through. It's not quite nonsense, well, is it? No, but I mean, I, I doubt my impact on the game is going to be significant. Like, we'll you see. Can't clear, you can't clear corners with your head, absolutely. <laughs> Definitely no. not, even, even, even at, at my height, yeah. 
Spurs could do with your height and corners that is, and set pieces. That is true, yeah. Oh, imagine if you could just bring one person out of the crowd for set pieces. <laughs> I reckon uh, it, if that was good, the case, despite it'd that, be you. Despite that I, it'd be you. I think there'd be better people. With your reductor strain, James, can you still be still tear, leap at the moment? Please. Tear. Tear, sorry, yeah. Um, I mean, at the best of times, I don't have much of a leap on me, really. So, yeah. I, I would. But you need it. Say, you're fitter than Ben Sankor, is that right? Well, I mean, well, you tell me. Is he going to be back? It sounds like not. And I will be there, so. Yeah, I'd, I'd say there's more chance of you, you defending the corner than him. Oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, that's not good, is it? Danny, according to, according to James, this is, um, this is the biggest uh, game of my career. That's true. Do you not think yeah. that? I mean, I, this, is a, this is a really big game for like, for like Spurs sort of short to medium term future I, I would say because winning this game I'm not suggesting that people who are Enoch out or, or Levy out or whatever are going to be completely placated by a win in a North London derby in the middle of January but I think it does calm things down a little bit uh, obviously like it helps Conte as well and that kind of faction would also be placated so and it slows Arsenal down uh, so for Spurs, it's quite. It would be quite a momentous win for Arsenal. It would be quite a momentous defeat or victory if they did win. Uh, so it's a it's a massive game in the context of the oh, Premier it's League a huge season. Game. It's, it's huge game. It, I mean, it's it's as big. It's as big in some ways as the as the the the, the, the same fixture at the end of last season. Uh, Tim, I mean, because you talk about winning there, James, but losing has terrible consequences for both sides, and particularly Spurs. We've got two games against Manchester City coming up, so it is possible. To imagine Spurs being seventh or eighth at the in a month's time. The other games away to Fulham who are in pretty good nick at the moment as well. So, yeah, it is. It would be a good moment to like find another gear and to uh, see a, like an up to level of performance. But um, yeah, Christ, I mean, we said that a few times this season, haven't we? Yes, we have. That is the recurring theme of um, well, and of course, we are bathing in how they played. Basking is probably the right word. How Spurs played at the latter end of last season. But since then, things have happened and other coaches have a chance to assess how Spurs play and to negate it. And Spurs haven't yet found the necessary keys to unlock the mystery of getting back to that kind of form. Let me ask you a brutal question, Tim. Arsenal are top, I'll be honest here, 11 points ahead of Spurs. How big is the gap between the two actual teams at the moment? Yeah, it's obviously notable, um, certainly in terms of consistency. But then Arsenal have also had the luxury of consistency of selection, you know, which Spurs, which Spurs haven't. I mean, the first half of the Emirates, there wasn't a huge amount of difference between the teams. Obviously, Spurs were the ones that were trying to defend and counter. So it looked, it might, it might have looked a bit more one-sided than it was, but I thought they were competing with them, you know, pretty well. It was one all at half time, if you remember, and it was only that a, sort of a classic Arsenal fast start in the second half, which they've done time and again this season. So like, th- I think 30% of their goals come in that, in that early period at the start of the second half. When you look at the way that that Arsenal trio are playing, as he says, Xhaka, Partey, Odegaard, as a group, they're playing fantastically. And if Spurs play Hoiberg and one other half-fit um, player, or they're all in different ways coming back, aren't they? from different things as Spurs midfield. But I don't suppose if Kulusevsky is fit and he is training, James, I don't suppose he'll change it. He'll play the usual system. No, I mean, that would kind of maybe be a solution that they would stumble into if Kulusevsky wasn't fit. But obviously, if Kulusevsky is anywhere near fit, he has to play, right? We know that much. Um, yeah, and if not, maybe you think like you you could put a third midfield player in there. But again, if Bentanker isn't fit, I mean, what are you doing putting in like Basuma, who, as we know, might not be fit? Skip, who hasn't looked quite right since he's come back in the last few weeks. Saar, 
So it's a two still, right? I mean, are you going to pluck someone like Harvey White or someone else and chuck him in there? I don't know. There's no one else. I'll give you another interesting thought now, if I may. Talking to the multitudinous Arsenal fans that I know and all live with, um, they were saying that last season, as Martinelli was making his way from fringe player to Brazilian World Cup player, um, getting better and better, the person who handled him best in the entire season was one Jed Spence. When Nottingham Forest beat Arsenal in the FA Cup, and Spence ran Martinelli into the ground. Well, all Arsenal fans tell me that you know they 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 were amazed when Spurs were allowed to buy um, Jed Spence because the bat performance would be enough to they thought to get Arsenal to buy him. You know they're playing Ben White at right back, um, but of course, as we know, James, for reasons uh, known best to the manager. Jed Spence is one million light years away from starting for Spurs. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that actually because I've seen a couple of people suggest that this game might actually be one for Emerson Royale and his marginally superior defensive capabilities over Matt Doherty, which actually I don't think is absolutely ludicrous despite what happened to him in the away game, which obviously wasn't great. From memory, he played pretty well in that game last season um, and obviously he played well in like the other high-pressure game at the end of last season at Anfield. So I actually don't think that would be absolutely ludicrous, particularly if Kulusevski is back. I mean, I know the link up between Kulusevski and Doherty has been really good, seemingly, in what we've seen of it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if Conte went for that slightly more pragmatic selection. Yeah, it, it, we we are talking here. Um, we're, we're walking on glass, aren't we? I think it's the first time in several seasons, I've been afraid of this home game. And that's to do with the fragility that Spurs have displayed against the top teams that Tim mentioned earlier. And the fact that, you know, we we have to be, we have to speak as, as your eyes see and no, your mind no. registers. Yeah. Arsenal, really good team. No, no, they just no. are. Well, you, sorry, I didn't, you broke up there. You're breaking up. Yeah, I've gone into a tunnel. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It kind, of, it kind of feels make or break this game for Spurs, really. It's like, you know, they've not been on a top side this season and they've kind of scraped a lot of results against the kind of middle tier of teams and very rarely looked convincing. And it just feels like a moment where if you turn up and you play convincingly and you win a game against the side top of the league, it could be completely transformative. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll see. We, I don't normally do this, but I think in this case, just for fun... I'm going to ask all three of us oh, um, for a prediction. Me. I mean, it's a mugs game because yeah. football, you know, the, the margins, etc., are so tiny. Tim, I'll start with you because, once again, as I say, you've got only a marginal amount of skin in the game that you are currently a Spurs correspondent. How do you think the game will go? Uh, I've been slightly more enthused by a few things I've seen in the past couple of weeks, and I think uh, I think they can claim a draw, which I think would be sorry, a good result. Sorry, what, what things were these? 4-0 at Palace was all right, yeah, second half. Come on. <laughs> go on then Daniel go ask me the question yes yeah, so what, what do you think will happen who was going to win the game James I think Spurs will go 10 or down in the first half hour and draw 2-2 two, two. very good um, that would be lovely wouldn't it I and probably I think would take another that, four, yeah. another horrible. four all draw for me another four all what's draw what's the order of goals in that four all draw oh Spurs two down um, and then four, probably four three down and exactly uh, like the game uh, all those years ago and we'll see if my my heart, um, significantly older now than it was then, will stand uh, the strain of that. Also, just for those of you who are interested in the domestic arrangements, sometimes we watch the game together, but we have decided, possibly because it is so important, uh, the lady wife and I, we're going to watch it in separate rooms. We have enough televisions to facilitate that. 
Um, but then, of course, you wonder what you know. Let's say Spurs go behind. What what snidey face is she making um, in the other room? Listen, we've got a new feature here, but it's going to be slightly, um, it's a bit of fun, but also um, I think it'll uh, try and get some optimism going for this game. We're calling it Memory Lane, Beautiful Lane, White Hart Lane, um, and I'm going to play you a couple of goals um, from Spurs against Arsenal games. Um, and uh, it's not a quiz, Tim, because that would be totally unfair on you. It's a chance for me and James to, uh, rem- and also James is so good at quizzes, we couldn't possibly do it. Okay, I'll get out of my mind, Palace, then. Yes, you should get out of your mind, Palace, um, and get into your memory bank um, because there are a couple of games here which I think um, James and I will, will want to remember fondly. Um, this is the opening goal in one of those. See if you remember this, James. Well, here we are, and what's going to develop? Here's Jermaine Genus now. Genus goes for goal! It's in the post and it's gone in! It's the perfect start for Tottenham! Jermaine Genus on three minutes gives Tottenham the lead on the night and it's Genus's fifth goal of the season. Few scenes of wild delirium inside White Hart Lane. James, do you, re- you recognise off the top of your head? Yeah, I think that's the first goal in the 5-1 in 2008, right? That And that's why you're on the big dollars. In 2008, Spurs, Tim, met Arsenal in a two-legged semi-final of the League Cup. They will draw at the other end of Seven Sisters had been a one-all draw. Um, Arsenal had a decent team at that time. Spurs were Spurs. They had some great players at that time without necessarily having a great team. Um, And in an amazing night uh, at White Hart Lane, um, Spurs racked up five in a 5-1 victory. Um, and that was the first of them by Jermaine Jeans. What your, were you there, James? Yeah, my my memory of that, my first memory of that would be uh, so I was sat in the Paxton Road end, which to those not familiar was the less. Me too, by the way. Wait, okay. Yeah. Was the yeah. less quiet of the two kind of ends behind the goals at the old White Hart Lane, uh, infamously so. Uh, and people were sat down, and it was. Spurs went one and up with that goal in the first few minutes, and you know it was kind of a, it was not massively raucous. Uh, and a guy a few rows in front like stood up, tried to like kind of g everyone up and get everyone standing and singing and shouting and whatever. And then when that was met with kind of shrugs of shoulders, he left. And my assumption was that he left the game. I mean, I think the reality possibly that he just went and like stood or sat somewhere else. But in my mind, he left the game at one nil and missed the madness that unfolded. The second, my second memory would be a lot of Arsenal fans, I suppose were falling up after like an hour maybe, and a lot of Arsenal fans left. And I remember your mate and TalkSport colleague, Paul Hawksby, the next day saying, the good thing about being 4-0 down in a derby and leaving early is that you get home by the time the fifth goal goes in and Spurs scored the fifth goal in, in injury time. So Spurs played Arsenal off the field. You know, obviously, when Nicholas Bentner scores in his own goal, you're that you know you're warming your hands on the game by that stage. You're just thinking everything is going well here. I can't imagine how I can't imagine how that feels. It's just it just feels like perfection. You know, four nil up after an hour. Arsenal, Arsenal players, Arsenal players like squabbling as well. Adebayor coming on and telling Bentner, "I'm coming on because you're shit." I mean, yes, famously, that's, that's great and, stuff. And really, Spurs hadn't beaten Arsenal for a long time around that time. Is that right? That's Very that's my me- that's my memory so from first that win. One in like like nine years, maybe. It's a long time, and then of course Arsenal got a goal. Late on to make it four-one, and I and I have this I have this horrible thing that if you're smashing a team, if they get the last goal, it takes some it takes some of the fizz out of it, doesn't it? Um, because you know they will say, oh, it's start for comeback, all the rest of it, and literally right down 
I was in the upper tier, right in my eye line. Steve Malbrank, in I guess I'm guessing it was added on time. Um, tapped in from about two yards. Uh, the fifth goal, absolutely meaningless, except it took away the narrative of Arsenal getting the last goal. It was the perfect ending, just as Jermaine Genius's effort had been the perfect start to what was one of the most perfect matches. And led, of course, to the League Cup final, infamously, which um, Spurs, and they played. I thought they played brilliantly on that day against Chelsea. Um, won that. Alan Parry on the Sky commentary was like talking about the Ramos revolution and the start of this amazing era for Spurs of his new manager. And obviously, um, he was gone within about like six months. All right, that was one lovely memory. And uh, now we're going to have another from another uh, North London derby. Whipped in by Bale, punch clear. And as far as Danny Rose. Oh! Danny Rose! With a volley from 30 yards! How about that to score your first goal for your club? White Hart Lane is absolutely rocking. I mean, Tim, obviously. Uh, even as a neutral, you know what that goal was. Yeah, that's um, that's one of the things that always springs to mind when I think of North London derbies from a Spurs perspective. It's one of my one of my favourite goals of of non Wolves goals of, of all time. Actually, I just I absolutely love it. The context, the celebration, the noise, the angle of the shot. It's just so unusual. You don't see goals like that very often. Um, yeah, incredible strike. Incredible. Yeah, 2010, Danny Rose's opener for Spurs in a 2-1 victory against the Arsenal on his debut. Help me with this. Um, Spurs, great volleys. I'm thinking about David Bentley in that 4-4. Um, Terry, before you were born, Terry Yorath scored very few goals for Spurs with an amazing volley from the edge of the box. Gareth Bale at Stoke. Yeah, is, that a huddle, is there a huddle one against Man United? Is that a volley? Um, like sort yes, of diagonal, yes, com- like from the corner of the box. Yes, almost. it comes down. He's he's in the in the Van Basten position, isn't he? When he lamps the ball in, um, but but Danny Rose is right up there. And I, I think it may be like Tim. I think it may be my favourite Spurs volley goal. It was amazing. <laughs> that is that is a very niche. So I don't think I've got a Spurs. I've never really considered whether or not I have a favourite. That's probably part time and a dilettante, my yeah, friend. Maybe I had a great view of that. So I was like behind, but like straight down the barrel. So and then he ran basically the length of the pitch right up in front of me. So like he like like had this amazing view of the goal, and then he came and cel- like ran like eighty yards and celebrated right in front. That was great. He was rubbish in that game though, and he got hooked at half time. People forget he he was he was hooked for the aforementioned David Bentley. It was a very it was a very odd game, I and mean, I, I tried to um, in preparation for this to work out Spurs' lineup. They had three left backs on the pitch at the start. Danny Rose started, Benoit Cotu started, and Gareth Bale started. Um, and I still can't quite work out. Um, where they all played, it was classic. That's a classic red nap team as well, isn't it? You put out your put out your eleven best players and hope for the best. Yeah, that is odd. Presumably, what were one would have played at left? I think they were... must have played at left back. Yes, um, but they had three centre halves on the pitch as well, unless Kabul played right back. Yeah, he might have done. He did play right back. Yeah. He definitely played right yeah. back in the Man City game later on. So I'm suspecting that Rose must have played left side of midfield and Bale right up front. Who are the other two? Is it Gallas and Dawson or something like that? Kabul, Dawson and King. Oh, no wonder we won. Yeah. Then Bale, Asuakota and Rose. <laughs> two midfielders, Huddleston and Modric, and Pavlyuchenko and Defoe up front. Um, what side? Ida Gudjonsson and, and, and Peter Crouch came on later in the game. I suppose I had lots of forwards at that time. Again, a very red nap thing That's great. to have. Winning that game from the second minute until the end, but you're still chucking on two strikers anyway. <laughs> yeah. 
And and I, I would make the point here um, for Tim, who doesn't know, that team had Aurelio Gomez in goal, um, who was a cult figure at Spurs by the end of his time there. He started off terribly. If you remember first six months of his time there, he couldn't deal with the physicality of the Premier League. People would clatter him. And did he cry at the start in one game, James? I remember Stoke. him. Stoke. He uh, like kind of crashed into Vedran Luka at a set piece, yeah. I think. And they both got injured. Yeah, and he cried. He, he cried. But at the end of that game, Arsenal had Spurs in absolute siege. And he made not one, not two, but three fantastic saves, all from Robin Van Persie, all from shots that were clearly goal-bound. Um, two, he knocked over the bar. And one, he turned on to the crossbar. Um, so he, as, as well as Rose's... Um, volley, which I remember actually by that stage, I was had a very low vantage point directly opposite the old tunnel um, for reasons, you know, who knows how I ended up there, new people I was going with. And um, uh, so I had a side-on view of the goal and it was Almunia's punch. You may think, wow, he's got that 35 yards away and up in the air, which gives Arsenal's players time to come out. That's very good work. Whack! The noise of that volley in the middle of a North London derby early noise loud, 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 and in it goes. Um, and we'll need, um, I don't suppose we can pray for the five goals they got in that League Cup semi-final um, on uh, the weekend, but hopefully somebody will turn up like Danny Rose did that day. Pepe, you saw like, first Premier League start scoring an amazing volley from near to the bottom. Oh, that'll, that'll be all right. We'll take that. Why don't you like Bentley's volley in the 4-4? I, uh, broadly, I'm against goals from long range. I just don't think they're. In, I just don't think they're any good. And it's just like a big like spooner that the goalkeeper's like palmed in. I don't. I don't. I just. I just find it really unsatisfying. So Naeem from the halfway line. No, that's hilarious, isn't it? That's oh, fine, okay. So you're selective. It's, not, it? it's about quality, not comedy. All right, those are two very different things. Um, so what do you think it's like a punt or something is that no I just like think it? it's, a, well, it's a little bit of a hit and hope isn't it he just kind of spoons it from like 40 yards and Almunia basically punches it in I just don't look, I mean I, like I was you know when Spurs signed David Bentley I was absolutely elated it was like the player I thought they needed and obviously I was completely wrong um, but yeah I just wasn't he was that year's James Madison was, wasn't he it was hilarious and like he like really rubbed it in yeah he was a bit of a James Madison sort of figure wasn't he he was like kind of character Um yeah, and it just—I don't know. I, don't, I just said that's not the kind of goal. The, the goal Gina scored in that game, by the way, no one ever talks about, which I think was oh, the, the brilliant. third goal. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, he he drifts inside past two Arsenal players. He's got the ball on his left foot. There's nobody to pass to. He thinks I'll have a go, and he he kind of curls it in with his left foot, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, so brilliant goal. Yeah, it is. It was his best goal for Spurs, I'd say. Yeah, I'd say so, yeah. In that time. He scored a free kick at Old Trafford as well. It was really good. Ah, Spurs. The days when Spurs used to score for a free kick. I, I, I noticed in the last game, Harry whacked another one straight into the wall, didn't he? I, I, what was that funny was, about um, that? J- j- just after the Portsmouth fans were singing yeah. uh, Over the Bar. Yeah. They obviously completely <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll show them. Yeah. yeah. Boom. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, welcome back to the uh, View from the Lane with me, Danny Kelly, Tim Spears and James Moore. Lots of things could happen in the North London derby, including um, since Harry Kane specialises in scoring in London derbies, he might equal or beat Jimmy Greaves' record. Something to note, that is, really. Um, and of course, if he does, we'll spend a whole podcast talking about how he's done this, what he does and, and you know, what a phenomenon he is. We should also note, I think, as well, that Hugo Lloris, has retired after 145 caps. He's the most capped Frenchman of all time. Two World Cup finals and one World Cup win has retired from international football. Um, James, I, I, is the timing is quite, of course, it's quite right because, I mean, Maignan at AC Milan, who we may see, of course, if his injury clears up in the upcoming Champions League game, they've got a ready made replacement. Um, I spent a, a part of the podcast three months ago saying how much I admired Hugo Lloris, but he does appear to the naked eye, and maybe this will help every time for international football, to be slightly in decline now, doesn't he? Yeah, I think that's kind of a natural thing though, right? I mean, I think, what is he just, he's just turned 36, I think, over Christmas. Um, which, you know, even for a goalkeeper, is then definitely the point by which you would expect a footballer to kind of be in a physical decline. Uh Yeah, I mean, look, very few players in this day and age will play... 10, 11 years for a top club if we're being generous enough to suppose to call them that. Um, uh, and, you know, I, I, it's been, by the measure of the previous two decades, uh, successful, without wanting to get into all that kind of Enoch Levy stuff again, uh, in comparison to the previous two decades, like a very successful period for Spurs. Uh, and it's undeniable that he's been a huge part of that. And he did have a dip around about the time that Pochettino left. Obviously, he got that injury as well. Uh, but I think he, he kind of bounced back pretty well from that afterwards under Mourinho, as we've said before. And it is only natural that you're going to get that slight decline. It's not like he's been a complete shambles in every single game. You know, you talked about the way Gomez was playing early in his time at Tottenham. It's not been quite as shambolic as that. But um, it does kind of feel like... No, and he was very, very good in the last win, wasn't he? He was very, sure. very good. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it does feel entirely sensible for the club to be like, looking at like longer-term replacements for the summer. Uh and if that is what they're doing, then I think that is a pretty sensible decision. I mean, and, and let's be fair, Tim, 145 caps for the team that 
not arguably, a team that has been overall the best international side of the past decade and a half. Um, it's extraordinary. And in France, he's he is he's thought of as something close to a god. Yeah, absolutely. And like it's it's a shame when this happens when a player goes into decline and 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 you think, oh, does it tarnish their legacy? And it must be such a difficult decision knowing when to go. Um, I think he's certainly gone at the right time for France. Uh, incredibly, incredibly successful career. He couldn't have done any more for them. And in terms of Spurs, yeah, the, the errors are creeping up. You know, um, Arsenal and Villa spring to mind this season, but also matches, also also goals where you think you really, they're not glaring errors, but you think, you know, come on, you really should be saving that. I think the couple against Newcastle spring to mind. And he's, you know, he doesn't sweep block he used to, he hasn't quite got the mobility that he used to, just the way it is. And yeah, I think, as James says, Spurs are right to be looking for a successor, but that doesn't diminish what he's done for club no, and country. He, he's, he, had, um, he's a legend. He's a legend at Spurs and they'll be they'll do very, very well to replace him as someone of similar stature um, in the next uh, few 18 months or whatever it is he's got left on his contract, which takes us to another player who's a legend at Spurs and uh, he's a legend of world football. This week, Gareth Bale, after a World Cup that I think reflected his decline um, measurably um, has retired, not just from Wales, but has um, got himself out of the last six months of his contract at LAFC um, and is no longer a professional footballer. The golf courses of America and Wales, no doubt, will be the beneficiaries of that retirement. But Tim, I'll ask you, because again, you're slightly neutral here, um, and I will wax lyrical in just a second. Um, he's one of the, he's, he's a player who, we, you know, with twenty-four hour media, we ought to be appreciating him. But it's only when he's gone that we'll say, "Oh my God, what a footballer!" For me, the most impressive thing about Bale, certainly sort of Spurs time, was that a bit like Kane was that transformation that you just didn't see coming um, from someone who, from the outside, just looked like you know a, a decent player who'll have a good career to one of the best in the world, um, and that only comes from having obviously an incredible work ethic and. You know, he always had the talent. But to go from that period where, was it 24 matches without without a win, to being the best player in the world for a short period of time, I think, what, five years later? Um, and, you know, you don't have to be a Spurs fan to to have those sort of iconic goals at the front of your mind. You know, you mentioned the volley at Stoke earlier. Uh, the winner at West Ham always uh, uh, sticks out for me. And obviously the, the two Inter Milan matches, um, I mean, the fact that they bought him for seven million and sold him for eighty-six a few years later is just astonishing. And um, Danny, I'm looking forward to hearing what you've got to say. But also, in terms of the best British player of all time, I mean, he's 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 certainly, I mean, without doubt, sort of top top three or four for me. But having not seen the likes of George Best or well, uh, Dudley, well, you're interested you say that because when when the when I was saying he's the best British player of all time, the phrase with apologies to George Best was actually going through my mind. Um, but he, you know, he, he he was monstrous. Interestingly, though, you talk about his hard work. Um, I, I know Gus Poyet won't mind me repeating this because it was on public radio. I interviewed Gus Poyet about Gareth, and he told me that he had such a difficult time at Spurs when he first got there. Um, among the things that that, that Gus told me was, uh, who was of course assistant coach there at the time, he said that you know he used to go down injured in all the time in training. To the point where Redknapp instructed the trainers not to go on, just to let him lie there until he felt it was okay to get up again. Um, he, he needed toughening up. He also turned up. Um, if you remember, he was very he was injured for a lot of his first two years. Is that right, James? Yeah, certainly the first season. Yeah, yeah. and then obviously and not in the team. And really. Spurs rewarded him 
with a new contract because they could see they had something there, even if Harry was on the verge of selling him to Nottingham Forest for 300 grand. Um, and he turned up after the uh, after the new contract with a very flash motor car. And he you know, wasn't even in the first team at the time. And I remember Gus Poyer said to me, we told him in no uncertain terms that if you're going to be a top professional, you have to wait till that happens before you start turning up in a supercar. And then he said, and by the way, take that clip out of your hair. He used to turn up with a hair grip in his hair every day. Um, you know, and it's to his credit that you know senior p- people in the game in uh, Spurs hierarchy were telling him to smart yourself up um, football-wise, and he did do it. Um, and then, you know, after that, the, the, the seasons that he had, you know, not the, not the loan season, we'll come back to that. I mean, the, in that last season, was it um, 12-13, James? Uh, even in a world containing Messi and Ronaldo, I was saying to people around me, I suppose this, this fella's the best player on the planet. Yeah, it was crazy to watch. At, at that point, obviously, the context is like, this is pre-Kane, Ericsson, you know, it's on whoever, like like watching Spurs was a different experience at that point. Like we weren't, we hadn't been spoiled. We hadn't seen many kind of properly world-class elite players. You know, we had Jürgen Klinsmann on a podcast a couple of months ago. I mean, even he at that point, I don't think it was anyone, was probably not and quite And I'd seen level, Gascoigne's but... great season yeah, prior yeah. to his injury. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Gascoigne's probably the previous example, I'd say, at Tottenham, in terms of like a younger player on the way up who was obviously one of the best in the world. Um but I think for like p- people like me and my generation, like, I've never seen, you know, you've seen people like Ginola who could do it on a, do it on a kind of week, weekly basis. But like Bale was like every single game, and like absolutely dominating every single match, like carrying this team that was okay. I mean, I think if you look at it on paper, you know, it had like Vertonghen and Dembele in it. So it had some of the elements of the Pochettino team that, you know, later achieved so much, or in relative terms. Um, but yeah, it was a bit of a mishmash kind of between the Redknapp team and what would have become the Pochettino team. And it, yeah, it, he kind of dragged them to what was then a points record for Spurs in the Premier League. And really, they should have got into the Champions League. I mean, I think the thing that really, when he got injured was when uh, they dropped a few stupid points. And if that hadn't happened, I think they had Everton at home where they drew when he got injured. And a couple of it wigging away, maybe. Like games where they normally would have won, I think, if he'd been fairly fit. It wasn't just the, you know, everyone thinks about the runs inside the fullback and then the finishes, mostly left foot. It's sort of, it's sort of very, very good in the air. People forget that as well. Um, but the I don't think I've ever seen anybody more powerfully running with the ball. I mean, obviously, you know, Taxi with Mykon's become a cliche, but this was, Mykon was a top player at that time. He's the best fullback in the world probably at that point. And or to watch him... To watch him being shredded, not just once or twice, that can happen. You can find yourself on the half turn, you can find yourself out of position. But to just keep losing foot races, often over 70 yards, um, to, to this monster, uh, which was the game, um, you help me with this, uh, James, where Bale actually takes a, a detour off the pitch in order to beat somebody oh, yeah, Barcelona, in Barcelona, uh, for whom I did in the Copa del Rey final against Barcelona. Uh, just incredible the things he could do when he was fit with his running power. Um, and I, you know, I will. He played 145 league, 146 league game for Spurs, and 176 for Real Madrid. Um, you know, because he got caught up with injuries at, at Real. But those two years when he was the thing at Spurs, um, 
I, I mean, you know, he gets in my all-time Spurs eleven, even though he only played three or four years there. You know, um, I don't know if you if you'd agree with that, James. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Uh, if he one of the first names on I the team, I had to play him at left back. I noticed the other day in order to get him into the team, but that's yeah, another have story. You got, well, you got Chris Waddle. Have you, have you got? I don't know. No, I don't, I'm, I've kind of got Hoddle, Ardiles, and Gascoigne in one of the most creative midfielders midfields of all time. It's not bad. Uh, yeah, because then you've got to find room for. Um, I used to always get away with it up front by p- playing Greaves and Chivers, but now you have to play Kane as well. So we're, I'm, I'm heading towards kind of mad 4-3-3 with no holding midfielder. We'll do this one day. We'll do it. Greatest team of all time. What was um, what what made the difference in terms of finishing? Because he, he went two years without scoring, I remember. I know, I know he's moved further up the field, but you know what, what changed in his game? He did. I, yeah, I mean, the fact when he played at left-back, early on he scored this goal at Fulham when he was still playing at left-back where... And it must have been his first goal for Spurs, I think. If you watch it back, like you can kind of see like the seed of what he would later become. Like that but that's him attacking from like deep and surging through, I think played in by Berbatov or someone. Uh but yeah, I just I guess he was just never really in those positions. And once you start playing further up the pitch, like every day in training, then you're in the you're in those situations where you're like trying to take chances. And I guess that, that presumably came quite naturally to him. I think I think um, also he he just developed physically in a way that you couldn't have predicted. Um, you know the pictures of this sort of super muscled athlete that we saw by the end of his time at Spurs and certainly his time at Real Madrid. It wasn't quite that. And it, you know some some people Wayne Rooney was as physically developed as he was going to be at seventeen. Um, I think he came to Bale a lot later on than that. Um, and he, the realization, Tim. That he, there was no defender who could stop him. I think that gives you a pretty good basis for being a good finisher. He's also a very interesting example. There's plenty of examples of people starting up front and moving back in a team, but he starts at left back, goes to midfield, and ends up playing for Wales on his own up front. Um, he, he's the reverse. Uh, people don't don't remember this. Sol Campbell. I saw his debut against Blackburn. I want to say played up front and scored. I think. I think it was Chelsea. Yeah. Yeah, was it Chelsea? Um, but that centre forward, but he very quickly dropped back. But Bale just got further and further forward. And anybody who goes and looks at his highlight reel of his time at Spurs, um, anybody can have three or four highlights. David Ginola could probably put 15 astonishing things he did at Spurs. He was doing 15 things every two games at that stage. It was just an amazing thing to watch. And, you know, as I say, I thought he was the best player in the world at that time. Um, and, You'd go to the ground. I can remember just going to the ground thinking, you know, I'll get to see him for another 90 minutes here. It's that combination. It's the combination of the physicality and like the technical ability is like incredibly rare, really. You, there aren't many players who are that quick, that strong, can like blast their way through a defence, literally run straight through them, but then also have like the technical ability to be able to like send the keeper onto the floor and go around him and put it in the back of the net. Sure. I'm glad he's gone because watching his decline in recent years. Having said that, though, I loved his time back at Spurs and I really resented Mourinho once again not playing him properly. That 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 last two-thirds of a season with Mourinho, one day, uh, the, you know, the book, or more like the Netflix film, will come out about when on there because um, it was it was nuts. It, you know, the, what happened with, with Bale, the run to the League Cup final and all the rest of it. But uh, I was glad he came back. And I got to see him again in a Spurs shirt. And it didn't matter if he scored no goals to me. I just wanted to see him again in that shirt. The fact that he did get 16, 16? I mean, most people regard that as a career high that season, wouldn't they? And there he was. Um, gone now to concentrate on whatever else he's going to concentrate on. All I can say is 
And I'll end the podcast by saying thank you, Gareth. Thank you so very much. And thank you to you two for the last hour or so. Thank you all for listening. Keep on. We're hopefully we'll have some good news for you on Monday when we'll be back after the North London derby. And if it's not good news, we'll dissect that too and face it um, as the imposter it is. Um, remember, if you're not already an Athletic subscriber, you can sign up to read all of the in-depth Spurs coverage this season as well as everything else that's on the site. Just go, as I always say, to theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod and sign up right now for £1.99 a month for the first 12 months. That's theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod. Thanks for listening. Uh, we will be back next week when I hope on Monday I'll be saying, I love football, James. I love it. I love football, Stan. I love it. <laughs> well, well, well. The Athletic. <laughs>